Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Kendall. Episode 55. Woo woo! Yeah. 55. Yeah, which equals 10, which equals 1. Does that mean anything? Well, yeah. Do you have any <laughs> idea what it means? Okay, apparently irrelevant. We don't know what it it's means. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Spiritual Charlotte Podcast. We are um, coming to you from Lighthouse Spiritual Center in Mooresville, which mm-hmm. is our home base. For those of you who are just now tuning in, we've had friends for over a year, two years now, who this weekend said that they just caught the podcast, which was cool. And so I'm, I'm saying... I'm saying, you need to listen to episode this, episode that. What do you like? Tell me about it. And pointing to this map of our shows. Yeah. But um, today's going to be really exciting because we've had our eye on this guest for a while. That sounds creepy. Sorry. (laughs) We've not been stalking him. Haven't been stalking. (laughs) Became aware of our guest today, who is Mike Watson, who's the founder of Heart Centric Leadership. And he's also an associate professor at the Art Institute of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, Charlotte, not Chicago. (laughs) Hello. Um, And so, um, well, not yet anyway. I don't know. Maybe that came from somewhere else. But um, so anyway, and and Mike, um, you and I went to TEDx this year. TEDx, yeah. TEDx, Charlotte, yeah. We were there, and we were there to see our friend Kim Honeycutt. Mm -hmm. And and Mike was an awesome MC Mm -hmm. at TEDx, and he just has this larger-than-life presence, and then I caught him on social media. He really puts a lot of inspiring content out there for people as he's doing his morning walks or kind of getting the day going. And so um, once I drilled into his work, I thought, here's somebody who has combined kind of a whole bunch of different passions and has this um, spiritual foundation underneath all of it, Mm -hmm. and that was really awesome to us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So too um, interesting a, a man to not interview. Exactly. Has have not have as a guest on this podcast. Not to mention, you know, we're trying to um, uh, hold space for the men. Yeah. And um, we're finding that men are um, in this conversation at you know at the same with the same passion, the same yearning as women are, and and they need a place to be included. Yeah. So Mike is here representing the men and the women. <laughs> so um, before we um, introduce him into the show, because, you know, he hasn't come in the room yet. That's what we like to pretend, right? And he's going to make an official entrance, and then he's going to sit down. Um, what do we have that we want to mention to our listeners who are part of our community? So while well, here at Lighthouse, um, several... Uh Regular things that we have going on. So on Thursday nights, we have mindfulness meditation with Mimi Sherman. That's Thursday, 630 to 8. We've started a new event called Friday Films. That's the first Friday of every month. And we are going to be sharing a film each month that helps open the mind and the heart. And this last um, this last uh, Friday, no, two Fridays ago actually, we showed Heal, the movie Heal. And um, we had a great turnout. So um, we also have spiritual fellowship every Sunday from 11 to 1230. And Kendall, um, with being our interfaith minister here at Lighthouse, she um, holds space and teaches and embraces and creates and holds community for a growing population that we are just thankful to have here at Lighthouse. Then we have some workshops and things coming up. We have... Um, a lady who, you know, uh, office is here out of Lighthouse. Her name is Rebecca Doerr, and her business is um, Mindful Family Wellness, and she's an integrated nutritionist and a doula. And she has a workshop coming up on February 22nd called Making Peace with Food. 
Uh, we have a drumming for wellness workshop coming up on the 23rd. We have a, Br a Brene Brown work um, highlighted. Uh, one of Brene Brown's um, recent books is going to be highlighted in a class by life coach Terry Carver. And she offices here out of Lighthouse as well. And that's on February 24th. And then we have a soulful spiritual midwifery gathering on the 24th of February as well. So all the times, all the details, um, more in-depth description, um, links to how to sign up and register for any of these workshops or classes, it's all on our website, which is lighthousespiritualcenter.com. Um, you can also find links to these events on our Facebook page as well. Absolutely. And I want to mention that um, for those of you who attend our light language sound darshans, that we're traveling those um, around the region. So that's something that you want to look for. We'll be at Sanctuary Imports next, what? On the 20th. On the 20th. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to that, the EFT tapping workshop we had here this month was amazing. We're going to be redoing that. We're also going to be doing a workshop in March on hemp oil. It's a big mm. conversation right now. And so we provide these programs for you so that wherever you are on the journey, that you can add to your toolbox, that you know where you can go to get the resources that you need to really raise your vibration, to get in alignment with uh, kind of have all the parts of your life, mind, body, and spirit in a place of wellness. So we are just really excited to be able to do that. Yeah. So, but more importantly... The real reason why we're here today. Yes. Mr. Mike Watson, welcome to the show. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. It's very <laughs> inclusive already <laughs> with that list of things we're doing. That's awesome. So, Mike, we are way excited because um, when you say the words heart-centric leadership, you know, we are, we are heart path people. Mm -hmm. And so that just rings a bell somewhere inside. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, what do you mean by that? And then we want to talk a little bit about how you got to this place of teaching this. Sure, absolutely. And thanks for asking. It's a very common question. I get a lot of, that sounds amazing. What is it? <laughs> uh, so it's good to know what you mean by what you say. Um, but heart-centric leadership, and, and really kind of the big title, heart-centric in leadership and life, is this idea that when we integrate intentionally our mind, our heart, and our spirit, then we're going to be much more purposeful in what we do. So it, it, it directly impacts decision-making. It increases confidence. It um, allows inclusiveness. It allows you to, to grow and understand that discomfort can be a positive. It's all of those things. But you know, it's that idea of integration, which is critical because so often we have been taught in our lives and through the educational systems that an over-reliance on our IQ, our cognitive intelligence. And so there's nothing wrong with paying attention to that. It's just that if that is the sole decision maker, pardon the pun, then, thank you, then, uh, I was hoping all week I could use that, um, then then you are by default diminishing and or leaving out potential in your life because you're not using all the tools you have, as you had said. Mm -hmm. okay. That was a long answer. Yeah, but it's Sorry. Really good. It's easy to understand. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah. So what led you to this work? Um, obviously, uh, many of us who work in this field have these former lives and then a former life before that former life where we worked in these different fields and didn't necessarily have all of our spiritual goodies exposed. 
So what's been the journey? Yeah. Um, you know what I find is interesting is that, again, that, that question is important in that it can enlighten us into where we are. Um, and too often I have found in a lot of the work I do with my clients is that their lack of self-awareness does not allow them to be enlightened in that way. So they're, they're not really standing in their brilliance because they're unaware of their brilliance. Um, and so I have found that my journey is so reflective of so many other people's, which is it's a culmination of small events through our lives that have gathered together at a tipping point. Malcolm Gladwell totally stole that. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it's almost like either, you know, you don't change until the pain becomes unbearable, right? Mm-hmm. Until the pain tips you into, okay, I'm more willing to work with something that is unknown and deep and might be scary than to keep doing what I'm doing. And wherever that is for you and whatever that means, I think that's the same journey we're all on. We're just on different times. Yeah. <laughs> and so mine, you know I mean, was very much go to school, go to college, was very, very successful in multiple places, you know, running 50 stores at a time, running East Coast operations, you know, 500 employees. But there was this constant lack in terms of purpose whenever I sat in a meeting or whenever we discussed something like budgets or anything like that. So all of these things are important. We, we need to have these things. We need to have a budget. We need to have processes. But again, if we don't include our heart in the decision making, then everything is driven cognitively and or in terms of many organizations from a shareholder value only. And if the only thing I'm doing is creating shareholder value, then every decision I make is for the shareholder. Then by default, I'm eliminating and or just ignoring all the stakeholders i.e. the employees and everybody else that relies on us. And so I had that argument constantly in board meetings. And, you know, and it's just at some point it became a tipping point. (laughs) I was like, I am not able to make change in this environment as it sits right now. So let me remove myself and, and create change elsewhere. I had the same experience in smaller organizations. And, um... You know, that's a really painful spot to be in whenever you have a knowing like that, but the organization is either not ready for that or not going in that direction. Um, And I think a lot of people are living, uh, people who are Mm -hmm. heart-centric by nature, maybe we all are, but I think there's a lot of people who get that sense in the organization and may try to take action with it. And really, um, it's kind of like shoot the messenger a lot of times. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because the organization's not ready for that or is not interested in that. I think that's a very painful spot for people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why work is painful for so many people. It's not so much their job that is painful. Mm -hmm. I think it's what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Which is I feel pain in my work. Mm -hmm. Not physical so much, Mm -hmm. but spiritual or that lack of purpose. Yeah. 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 That's (laughs) And we're off. Yes. And we're off. (laughs) Um, you talk about this as a leadership and engagement crisis Mm -hmm. and that, and you're doing research on this for your doctorate. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the crisis of this? Sure. When I talk about crisis, it, um, it is often 
around the core element of a crisis of leadership, meaning we have we have lived with leadership since the 70s, basically, is when this started to happen, late 70s into the 80s, when the shift went from uh, people-centric, profitability-driven to shareholder, profitability-driven. There was a shift that happened. Um, and so for you know many, many years now, there has been a way of being a leader, a way of understanding of what it means to lead in an organization that has been ingrained in MBA programs and in individuals. And so then you have organizations that just keep repeating the cycle of this is how to lead, which is what we were talking about earlier. Um, People are a um, line item on a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. They're they're not people. Mm-hmm. They are a way of balancing my budget, mm-hmm. right? And so there, um, everything is very short term vision, uh, which allows for immediate satisfaction in terms of bottom line profitability, mm-hmm. um, but does nothing to create safety, security, and a culture of environment that is long standing or has any kind of legacy, right? And as Gary Vaynerchuk says and others, legacy is greater than currency. You know, and, and, and if, if businesses would start to, and many do, so the crisis is because there's a majority of businesses that don't lead from a perspective of long-term vision mm-hmm. and, and integrating all the intelligences they have, mm-hmm. the heart, the mind, and the body. Mm-hmm. And when you don't do that, you shortchange not only your organization, but the people that work for it. Sure, then the workforce is a commodity at that point. I mean, really, right. I mean, how is it in like, really broad terms then it's kind of like the same conceptual stuff as slavery honestly you know not from that conceptual that it's like they're a commodity the people are then a commodity correct yeah create that bottom line absolutely because if 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 the board of directors is saying to a ceo we are going to create your bonus structure and your pay based on bottom line driven shareholder Mm -hmm. value Mm -hmm. so let's look at our stock price Mm -hmm. right then to your point, mm-hmm. well, if that's true, and I and for me to equate success with that means then I need to look at my business in that way, which means I need to then quantify and or put numbers to everything, mm-hmm. which again, in big picture is not bad. You need to know what your business right. is doing. Right. But to your point, if I commodify a person, mm-hmm. by default, I create disengagement which is that on average in an American company, anywhere between 60 and 75% of employees are disengaged at work. So yeah. it's so funny that leaders are like, this is what we need to do. And I'm like, but if you have the long-term vision and you connect with somebody through their heart and their mind both, then they're going to engage more, mm-hmm. which is going to make you more money. Mm-hmm. So like, even if, even if you're that greedy person where money is the sole driver, mm-hmm. then at least do that. You'll make more money. <laughs> like it just is confusing to me. It's like yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. not suggesting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. To make a point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and what it makes me think of is what I have seen before is that then the people at the top try to find these quick solutions mm-hmm. to deal with the fact that they're not willing to change the entire paradigm. So correct. We're going to give you vacation, or we're going to take um, everybody out to lunch, or we're going to have this special outing where we do this bonding. But when we come back, the paradigm has never changed. Correct. And so they're band-aids on a problem that, and people are too smart. They realize you've put a band-aid 
Oh, absolutely. And they don't even want to go to it in the first place because really they're so tired of being there. They'd rather just go home than go to the whatever that you think is going to change the environment of yeah. the office. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't help but think when you're talking, you know, we talked about, oh, our parents, they, you know, there's this whole like story. I don't know how sure. necessarily true it is. Um, my, our parents all stayed where they were for 40 years, da, da, da. I wonder if, as we are evolving as people, if part of the of the newer generations not staying places very long or as long is because there's an intuitive knowing something ain't right here. I don't know. Is that part of the deal? Yeah, I think research bears that out. I think, um, not I think, I know that there's a couple things. Um, like anything, there's no one answer. But there's a couple things, which is as we experience and embrace technological advancements, then by default, we have more access to information mm-hmm. and time gets compressed because it's always on. Um, so time, it, it didn't change you know I mean, in terms of how much time, but the feeling of time is different, mm-hmm. right? And so if you take that, that compression of time, accessibility, and then, and then a generation of individuals that have grown up watching their parents be miserable. I'm totally generalizing here, but right, there's right. facts to support a lot of this. Right. If you combine those things, then there's this real innate desire to find what is important. Um, a lot of the research right now uh, shows that a, a 25 to 30% of like millennials will not take a job if they don't understand what the purpose of the organization is to serve something greater than the organization. Like that's like number one on their checklist. I was never taught that in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Mine was mm-hmm. what's the 401k plan? What are my benefits? What's the, what's the pay structure? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah. I'm here to make money and like move on. Like that was the purpose. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's again, been this paradigm shift in which there is an awakening, but I think the awakening has been triggered by events, which is what always happens, which is, okay, technology has forced us to do this with our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it has made our lives, I think, much more visible to everyone. And on one hand, that can be bad, mm-hmm. but on one hand, it's awesome because now we are visible and we no longer hide beneath the shadows of who we believed we were to be. And instead, we need to step out into who we really are. And so you see that technology, social media has allowed people to have a voice that didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we are recognizing the work we need to do. Otherwise, it just stays hidden. Does that's that help? A bell ringer. Yeah, that was really interesting. Idea. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. uh, that's a very tame bell ringing you're doing this morning. I well, think it matches well, the intensity of like, the yeah. Thing. We got chastised at one point about the bell being too loud on speaker oh. when people were listening. So I was trying not to. I like wasn't judging the volume at all. I wasn't like, that's was, a minor point. Was. Yeah, I was like. I was trying to protect you listeners. Right. No, I'm just joking, actually. Um, I first thought as you're speaking was, you know, we're going to get into this conversation about spiritual intelligence and in leadership and in, and as it relates to not only life, but work. Yes. But I think one of the things I've noticed is that that those group of young people that are looking for the meaning, the bigger purpose, and maybe they're not so young, maybe they're headed closer to 30, 40 on up. And 
I think a lot of people think, okay, well, there's some liberty now in this environment for me to actualize myself as an entrepreneur. So I'm going to go for that. But I find that because they were in a certain system for so long that a lot of times by default, some of the things in that system that were completely bogus, that -hmm. were not authentic, such as an over-exaggeration on the hustle. Mm-hmm. They take it right into their attempt to be an entrepreneur yeah. without the spiritual intelligence that makes this new opportunity mm-hmm. something that's actually going to be viable, transformational. doable, transformational, successful. And so there's there's like a weird um, gap where the Correct. self-awareness isn't mm-hmm. there because they adopted something that they didn't realize they adopted and went off and tried to use that paradigm as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Does that make... That's are you 100%. feeling me? Okay. Not only am I feeling you, um, I, that sounded awkward, but <laughs> there's a table between us. Um, but absolutely, that is supported in, in research. And so, you know, because we do what we know. And so I'm going to take that habit with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But to your point, what is lacking, and I call it the self-gap, what is lacking there is self-awareness. And and at the core of heart-centric leadership is self-awareness. If if you want to boil heart-centric leadership down to anything, it's about the idea that if I am not self-aware, I cannot be organizationally aware. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that one. Yeah, that was so me. Yeah. Too. It's okay. That one even felt right for me. <laughs> like, I got chills. Oh, so I need to remember that. I liked myself on that one. Yeah. Well, you get to re-listen and you can make your notes and be like, okay. If you're not self-aware, you're not organizationally aware. How can you be? Yeah. 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 And so to your point, yeah. if I'm going to go start this new business, if I don't take the time to intentionally be self-aware to understand how, and more importantly, why I want this business to be what it is, then I will replicate not so positive things in this new venture. So again, it might be different because I'm bringing my own passion to it, but I'm going to repeat some of the same negative mm-hmm. and or unintentionally negative habits that I that I learned. Yeah. And that I that I was told was mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. And people don't know what they don't know. Totally. So you creating platform however you do this and I think we want to talk more about that and specifically you know are you targeting certain groups about this do mm-hmm. you have you know and how do you reach and create the conversation to help these people who, who know. don't know what they don't know right but they but they are starving or know that there's something but not they right. question yeah they question yeah 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 um, I think there's a couple different ways that are effective one is that this is just my approach. I, I decided early on I wasn't going to exude a lot of energy beating my head against the wall trying to convince somebody that didn't want to hear the message. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was step one. Even mm-hmm. though I felt like they could probably gain something from it, mm-hmm. I just, again, going back to maximizing my effort, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, let's, let's go. Not where they agree with me per se, mm-hmm. but where they're open to the conversation. Okay. Two different things. Because yeah. I'm not about agreement. I'm about understanding. Mm. You don't have to agree with me. I just need you to understand. And I think that's a big part of heart-centric leadership mm-hmm. in terms of listening and coherence is, is if there is no conflict in your organization, there's a problem. Because then that means there's no diversity in your conversation, mm-hmm. and which means you'll never innovate. 
And, mm -hmm. but to have that conflict, it needs to be in a safe space, mm -hmm. which means that we can disagree as long as we understand, right? So seek understanding, not agreement. If you seek agreement, then all you're going to get is yes, people surrounding you. And you're going to get back to what you were saying earlier, which is now we don't know what we don't know because we just keep repeating ourselves. Mm -hmm. All right. So now who are my audiences? Yeah. <laughs> Where is the platform? I have found that there are two main platforms that I have focused on that, that work really well. One is, is um, college juniors and seniors that are in business and or any kind of um, marketing leadership programs. Um, so I've, I've done talks at Queen's University. I've done multiple workshops at Davidson. Um, Wake Forest um, so like and they're very open to it and there's mm -hmm. this environment in which people are interested mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then there are many organizations and it, what I really found that's interesting it's not so much is it nonprofit versus for-profit organizations it's about who's leading the company right so I've done workshops and talks for Diversity Council of the Carolinas that's a built-in like audience mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like by default these people have been identified selected mm -hmm. and and motivated to somehow start to question what it means to be inclusive and listen and, mm -hmm. and to go outside my comfort zone, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is critical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so when I'm teaching heart-centric self-awareness to individuals that are at least willing to hear it, then by default, when they do the practice, they are hearing themselves for the first time mm -hmm. in a new way. And so... We don't know what we don't know only because we never stop to think about it. Mm -hmm. We fill our time because we're scared. <laughs> I'm like, just bring it in the background the whole show. <laughs> right? So there's yeah. this real desire to like, if I'm quiet, I'm not productive. And if I'm not productive, then I'm not successful. And if I'm not successful, then I'm a failure. Like there's this negative mm -hmm. cyclical talk in our minds mm -hmm. and our brains. Mm -hmm. And the reality is you would be so successful. And be so brilliant mm -hmm. if you intentionally plan time to self-explore, be self-aware, and really look at what's driving your decisions and what you want to do in life. You know, and it's systemic because if you have a parent who taught this way, then you go work for people that mirror that parent. They, they, they handle their organization that way. Mm -hmm. Then you find that somehow or you actualize yourself enough to work for yourself you will find yourself sitting there realizing I'm doing the same behavior and there's no one else to blame it on now. <laughs> yeah. It's like the mirror is like right there. Which yeah. is awesome, like, oh, but scary. Yeah, but awesome. Scary. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we've even faced this in our own organization that, that there has to be retreat where we go restore in mm -hmm. a way that is very intentional. There has to be the practices that we teach have to be practiced by us that the, you know, I remember reading at one point when um, that uh, the world's uh, billionaires, how much time they actually spend sitting in a chair thinking. It was yes. a high ratio, right? Absolutely. Compared to what you would think. And so when you have to face yourself really at a certain point of maturity in the process, I think that you realize there's no one else to blame it on now. Now I have to actually walk this talk differently than the way that I was taught mm -hmm. because it's just quite simply not working. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What is the spiritual intelligence? Uh, talk to us a little bit more about that side of the conversation. Sure. Absolutely. And thanks for asking. Um, there are many different definitions of spiritual intelligence, just like there's a variety of definitions for leadership or any other topic you mm -hmm. want to discuss. And so mm -hmm. my doctoral dissertation digs in on specifically how spiritual intelligence may 
or may not impact engagement within organizations. So whether or not people engage at a higher level. Um, my, my belief is, and I think the study will show, that the higher the spiritual intelligence level of a leader, the greater the relationship that is built between him and his or her direct reports. Therefore, the engagement will be greater. And if I have greater engagement, my business is more successful, blah, blah, blah. And define so, spiritual intelligence. Absolutely. So spiritual intelligence <laughs> for me then goes, uh, is a combination of four elements. Um, and the first level or aspect would be the idea of do you as an individual have the ability to critically think from an existentialist perspective? Meaning, can I ponder? Can I think about myself away and out of myself out in the world? Um, do I, do I ask myself the big questions? Not that I know the answers, but am I willing? Mm -hmm. So that's like step one, level one. Mm -hmm. Um, step two is, uh, personal meaning production. So this is getting back to what we were talking about earlier. So like step two is this idea of, can I identify through self-awareness, a purpose and live a purposeful life that is greater than myself. So step one, can I question the big things? Mm -hmm. Step two, can I, can I can not only think about those big things, now can I construct a life built on purpose? Mm -hmm. Step three would be the idea of now can I layer on top of that the idea of transcendent awareness. So can I become aware of things that are beyond who I am, transcending myself. Um, and the key word there is awareness. Am I, am I willing to look for and listen to things that are bigger than myself? And then the last level would be conscious state expansion. So can I intentionally at any moment connect with a higher purpose or being? However, I define that. So can I go into meditation? Can I go into prayer? Can I go into quiet thought? It doesn't, I don't mm. care about the approach, but can you intentionally at times in your life connect with a higher being and purpose so as to gain insight and guidance, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the four things that kind of culminate together to create spiritual intelligence. Those are the four things I test in someone. What have you found out so far about uh, <laughs> about where people get real like super stuck yeah, or where, they, where are they hung up? Where, so. where are you learning so far about that? Yeah, um, most people are pretty good about one and two. Most people are pretty good about being able to ask themselves some big questions. Look mm -hmm. at you know they're they're they take moments in life where there's some existential thought out there. Um, most of my clients, most people, number two. You know, I want to create a purposeful life. I want to construct something that has meaning and purpose. That's where I find the majority of people. When you start talking about transcendent awareness and conscious state expansion, that's where most people have not done the growth yet. Um, it, it's there. They just haven't stepped into it. You know, and so that's that's the beauty of the of the research and, and who we are is that it's already there. The, the, 
the tools and, and the power and the brilliance of what we need to do to transform ourselves and the world is already there. We just need to step into it. And for a lot of people, it's just scary right at the moment. Mm-hmm. The unknown can be very scary. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's the only place to go. Right. So, <laughs> so do you find that... Well, exactly. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Do you find... Uh, well, let me ask you this first. Sure. Um, are you seeing that this is a specific order of how things need to occur in, in the... in a? Yeah. Um, I would never say that it has to. Mm-hmm. There are individuals that we can find that are like, yeah, I'm number four right away. Mm-hmm. Do you, mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, but for the most part, this is very orderly in the sense that it tends to be... That's why I use the word levels. Mm-hmm. It tends to be almost levels. Like level one, I'm willing to think about things. Level two, now I'm ready to construct something in my own life. Level three, now let me see what I can do to expand that awareness. So is that like it tends to be level in terms of our own growth mm-hmm. of who we are. Mm-hmm. But I would never dare say you have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. It would be hard though, I would think, to not do it this way. Okay. But there are people that have just woken up and it's like, I am now transcendentally aware of mm-hmm. a higher being and purpose and connected, you know, Eckhart Tolle, mm-hmm. you know, something, mm-hmm. you know, you can have that. Mm-hmm. I think that people get, when they get to, to number two and they identify that they want this life of meaning, sure. I notice that they, that that's where right, right before the opportunity to um, move to uh, kind of surmount that fear or walk through that fear happens that is where they can immediately draw on the story they've been telling. Mm-hmm. And that's like the stop point. We actually had this conversation Agreed. yesterday, you know. And the stop point is, to me, a crisis of, of, of where, where are you going to orient? Is, are you going to continue to orient in the story, the past story? Or are you going to orient in a story that actually involves a lot of faith? A lot of faith. And... Um, that's one you haven't believed in up to this point. You know, that's like that crux moment of letting go of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel. <laughs> no, I, it, it, it's absolutely, you're, you're spot on. And, and, you know, again, it gets to that point where people are willing to walk up to the ledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but then all they focus on is the drop. Yeah. They're like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, it, and yeah. so they're willing, to your point, right? They're, they're willing to live in the story because it's known. Mm-hmm. And, and by default, because it's known, it's comfortable. It's not necessarily good for them, but it's comfortable because mm-hmm. at least I know what it is. Mm-hmm. It is why people stay in bad relationships. It is why people stay in bad jobs. Yeah. It is why people keep people in their life that don't support them. At least it's known. At least I get what the risks are and I understand what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your point, the only way to ever get out of that is to is to move forward into the unknown. And so what I work really hard on is reminding people that there's no greater waste of time than being really good at being mediocre. Mm. And that's all comfort is. And they don't... Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, and so when they start Mm -hmm. to see, you know, so a lot of times I'll say, imagine. You're... Let's get a little scary here. So imagine it's your last day, you're going to die, right? And, And you've lived this life. And then the person that you could have been walks up and meets you. Like, where's that gap between who you're meeting now that you could have been and who you lived, right? Where's that yeah. gap? How much of that gap do I need to 
to span, right? Mm -hmm. Right now. And it's that. It's like, what am I doing to stay in comfort and I'm just being mediocre when I know I could be brilliant? But to your point, brilliance takes faith and it means I'm going to take a risk and it means I have to be confident. I have to rely on myself. It's not about relying on everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's about relying on myself. Mm -hmm. I can't rely on myself if I'm not Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-aware. It all goes back to, I better get really grounded on what I value and what my core values are, what my heart is saying. Otherwise, I won't drive through the issues or the the, uh, perceived barriers, right? Right. Because the only thing that keeps us moving through barriers is the idea that there is something greater than that on the other side. And the only way I'm not going to stop, avoid, or quit is if I have a purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the heart and the passion is the fuel. Right. And if you haven't tapped into that, you can't go the long haul. Yeah, and if I may, just to nitpick, Mm -hmm. because you're right, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times people tell me, look at my passion. I'm like, I know. Are you getting anywhere? (laughs) No. But I'm passionate. And I'm like, no, I know. Like, I get it, right? And I'm, yeah. and I, and so on one hand, I have to explain to them, I think you're interested. You're not passionate. Do you know what I mean? And like, they're both fine. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think you're confusing the two, right? It's kind of like if you're going to marry somebody, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, you're so interesting. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't then get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Passion mm-hmm. is much deeper than that. Passion, to your point, will drive you past that. Now, but the key is, there's still people that are passionate that work really, really hard and get mm-hmm. nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's no purpose behind the passion. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have to have a guiding principle that allows that passion to channel itself. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you get people that are really passionate and they work really hard and they're just stuck. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've never taken the time to understand what their purpose is. What is your purpose to serve that's greater than yourself on this earth? Yeah, because I think sometimes people think that they found the purpose, mm-hmm. but they didn't go deep enough. They didn't do Correct. Deep so it's not long-lasting. Yeah. And then they were like, well, you know, and they're in that, this, they're in the, what they call, is that word, the hustle. And, Correct. You know, and it's like, they're not truly satisfied. You know, I, I uh, one of the things I'm thinking about as you're talking is that, I think often in family structures, from parental figures, I think so much of this has to do we we really focus on psycho spiritual healing at, sure. at Lighthouse, mm-hmm. and because the journeys of healing spirituality are intricately entwined, and I feel like when the when the a person is stepping out into that passion and they're working towards level three, that. Uh, one of the things that's happening is that they've lived in a family structure, oftentimes with parents who just want them to be safe. Absolutely. Actually, they want you to take actually very few risk mm-hmm. because then everybody's safe and that's that's the main priority and we don't and we don't have to uh, figure out how we're going to come up with $6,000 to bail you out or, or $30,000, whatever. We don't have to figure out if you're going to die tomorrow. Everybody can just go on, uh, you know, and... I think that sometimes whenever it's time to break out of that, we don't even know how much we have adopted that for ourselves. And so now it's, okay, so at this impasse, what I have to be willing to understand is that everything about this is crazy. Everything about me stepping into my passion, according to where I've been, seems Mm -hmm. contrary to normal thought. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely insane. Mm And I feel like if you can embrace, yes, it's crazy as hell, then you get to join the legions of people who were willing to go to the crazy because actually it wasn't crazy at all. It was actually the realest real of real. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense how I'm mm-hmm. saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so there's a, a lot of good intention behind parents that associate love with safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, <laughs> I don't, I, I think it can be overwhelming and it can be diminishing in terms of what gets accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we opt for safety, you opt for comfort and we get back into mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if I really sat down with parents and said, do you want your child to be, be mediocre and comfortable? They would probably be like, nah, I want them. They're more than that. They're brilliant people. And, and I'm like, well, I know, but like, but you're creating these boundaries for them in which you are identifying safety with comfort and not taking risks to your point. Nobody's going to grow that way. Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it's a hard thing, which is for people to create boundaries around family and, and to understand that my family can love me, but they, they, some of their actions don't necessarily support me, right? So my mother and father, I never doubted, loved me, but they totally didn't get me, mm-hmm. right? And so for a while there, that was confusing because mm-hmm. you just are like, how come they don't understand me? I What's am their child, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the reality is that makes sense that they don't understand me. Mm-hmm. It's not who they are. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got really clear on they just want me okay, then I knew that like, but that doesn't mean I have to do that. And at the end of the day, it's going to be all right. And it's scary, but there is no growth without connection, right? So I have to connect with myself if I'm going to grow. Mm -hmm. And and if I don't connect with myself, I'm really not going to connect with my parents, my employees, anybody else. Mm -hmm. To your point, anybody can run into success randomly. Mm -hmm. Like if we try hard enough and if we work hard enough, there will be moments in our life when we run into however we define success. Mm -hmm. But then we'll get really confused. How come it doesn't repeat itself when I do the same thing? Because there's no purpose. Because I don't know what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like having a sailboat out on the water and the sail's not up. It'll float and it'll be okay and it'll make movement and it might get you somewhere. Eventually. (laughs) But there's no direction. Do you know what I mean? Like like you're not doing... Mm -hmm anything you're Mm -hmm. allowing you're allowing everything and it needs to be a balance Mm -hmm. between doing and being well the problem with that is when storm wabi sabi comes along (laughs) your your boat is gone right i mean you know uh i i think that uh it's interesting you use the word home crisis because it seems that part of the home crisis Mm -hmm. is not understanding that there's a self-awareness process that is an invitation for you And in that self-awareness process, there's also, step four, a highly um, faith-oriented, much bigger than you, uh, spiritual connection to, like, the be-all of end-all. True. And so, is that part of the home crisis? Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, I think the home crisis is just a a reflection of generational teachings. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of, of a past model that doesn't work. And so I, I feel like we're repeating ourselves, but it's like people are so in times of chaos, which we're in. So we're in this very chaotic time mm-hmm. in which there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable. That, and we and because of technology, now we know mm-hmm. it, it, it's immediate. Like I have access to anything that's going on in the world. So, again, it feels even more chaotic because I have access to it, right? So in times of chaos, people retreat into comfort because they're like, well, I can't control any of that. What I can do is this, my home. Do you know what I mean? 
what I wear, where I work, but even, you know, yeah, but yeah. so it, it really shrinks everybody. Chaos mm-hmm. shrinks who you are. Oh, that's an interesting statement. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if to your point earlier, when we were talking, mm-hmm. if you look at chaos as that's just the way of the world, that is energy. Energy mm-hmm. is chaotic, mm-hmm. but there's a pattern in the chaos. It's like unity with variety. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a purpose to it, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to step into the chaos to, and harness that power and say, no matter what, I'll be okay. And that's a different message than parents going, no, you'll be okay this way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus, no, I'll be okay this way. And isn't it amazing, too? This isn't really a crisis of age. I mean, I think no, this, not this at happens all. for 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds. Everybody. Everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like part of the spiritual journey. Like, you can't leave the work. You cannot leave the work life out of it. It's in it. I think so. I think everything is integrated nowadays. Um, yeah. I find it interesting that people go to work and act differently than they do at home. Mm. It's like, why are you doing that? Right? Like, I get, that's a lie. I get why you're doing it. But it's like, you know, again, they're doing it for safety. Mm-hmm. And again, they're doing it to just get along. Right? Mm-hmm. But what we really want, all of us truly deserve, is to be who we are all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I shouldn't go to yoga to find peace. I should be at peace and just be at yoga and I should be at peace and be at work and I should be at peace and be at home. And I, that doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It means your ability to understand that everything is integrated, that everything is coherent, that everything, whether I'm at work or on my mat or at home at dinner, it doesn't matter if I am who I am, right? Like that's the, that's the grounding force that allows you to be okay with chaos, but mm-hmm. if you're not willing to be self-aware and you're not willing to look at who you truly are and what you really care about and what your purpose is, mm-hmm. then it feels like you're flailing. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like you're out of control and that the forces are working you instead of you working them, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. why people try to control time. Mm-hmm. You know, anything I can do to try, but then that never works, mm-hmm. right? You got to let time flow through you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't get mm-hmm. to control it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So more more chaos is created. Absolutely. Yeah, good luck holding on to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many people, what I hear people say is, well, I just wasn't, I'm just not willing to play. They There's a back out for a lot of people okay. at some point. I'm not willing to play that game. Um, I have a problem with authority figures. It's like everybody gets lumped into that category because sure. their experience has been so painful trying to be themselves in environments where that didn't seem conducive. How do you help somebody yeah. who's, who has that feeling of that this is this yeah. is the whole game. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um I think they're I think blaming makes you a victim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I well, think that's com- true, yeah. I think complaining makes you a victim and it takes mm-hmm. all your power away. So when you do that, mm-hmm. it might feel good in the moment mm-hmm. but now you're powerless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you it's, You've given up everything. Yeah, nothing has changed in your right. personal experience. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we always have three choices, right? We can either we can either take action to make the situation better. We can accept the situation as it is, or we can leave the situation. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what your job is, you have those choices. Mm-hmm. And I can do that from macro big picture. I can do it micro. I can be in my cube <laughs> doing my office job mm-hmm. and... I can decide one of those three things. And, yeah. and what I need to understand is even though I might not find my boss what I want my boss to be, 
I can positively impact the people around me by what I do, mm-hmm. how I send the email, how I engage. How I, so by default, you can make positive change within your own sphere of influence, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to get really technical about the physio, physiological, biological, and, and emotional impact of that, you know, the electrical field of your heart is at least 10, 12 feet out from you. Mm-hmm. So by default, when I'm walking down the aisle or I'm walking into a meeting, mm-hmm. my energy precedes me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not right in my mind, mm-hmm. then that message is already being shown. Oh, yeah. If I'm in fear, if I'm in yeah. anxious, by default, the opposite is true. If I'm grounded, positive, and, and looking for possibility and inclusion... I'm automatically uplifting everybody around me. Mm-hmm. So when people come to me and say, this doesn't work for me or this boss is bad, I'm like, but what are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you need the job because you need to pay the bills and that's working for you right at this moment, here's how you influence those around you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. every morning, every day, like are, are you writing an email every day thanking somebody for who they are and what they've done? Do you know what I mean? Are you practicing gratitude as a way to elevate others? Because mm-hmm. by default, then your job will get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's just yeah. we we tend to associate change with size like it mm-hmm. doesn't matter unless it's big and the reality is if it's a one percent change repeated you have compound change which is transformational mm-hmm. just do one percent more just be one percent better mm-hmm. and in one year you're 365 <laughs> do you know what mm-hmm. I mean like think of the growth mm-hmm. but we constantly think like I have to change the organization or the boss has to leave or yeah. mm-hmm. like I have to change my whole life. And it's like, no, just get 1% better. Just. <laughs> Which kind of makes it the change doesn't, when you do that, change isn't really starting with you. It's kind of like putting the practice off. Yeah. Lo- loading it off on. Um, I love that you say that vibrationally. Yes. Which is part of that transcendental awareness. Vibrationally. Yes. You can already start working from there. And I can't help but think that if we do our work, our internal work, mm-hmm. then the universe will actually respond with the right... <laughs> it will match us with the organizations and people that mm-hmm. are vibrating where we are vibrating. Is right. that a truth? Yeah. And I think it's a truth beyond just the, oh, that feels good. Or a truth yeah. beyond, mm-hmm. that's woo-woo. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever, however you want to define it, right? Mm-hmm. And as a male in corporate organizations, let me tell you, CEOs aren't like, that sounds like something we should work on. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, not a message aren't. that they're like, I'm working on my energy field of my heart. I'm like, yeah, you really need to. <laughs> um, but that's why it's so important, like organizations like HeartMath and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that sit down and do scientific studies to measure this, yeah. that, that measure the electronic field, which is 5,000 times bigger from your heart than it is your brain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we focus everything on the brain. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's important that we understand that there's neurons in the heart just like there is in our brain mm-hmm. because our heart has intelligence. It's important to know that our heart develops first before our brain in utero. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that the communication, the speed and the quantity from which our heart communicates up to our mind and our brain is much faster and more often than our brain to our body. These are important things. And none of it's woo-woo and none of it's because it makes me feel good. It's just biological, physiological facts. And what's important is that all that communication is saying to your brain, either I'm okay mm-hmm. or I'm not okay. Do you know what I mean? And whatever other words you want to do, mm-hmm. right? So we predispose 
our situation. Before I go into a meeting, one of the best things a leader could ever do is take four or five minutes before they walk into the meeting and get right. You know, look to your heart, Mm -hmm. settle yourself down. Mm -hmm. What is it I'm feeling? Who am I? Why are we here? Mm -hmm. And then go in there. Mm -hmm. You're going to change the dynamic of the room. I have witnessed sitting in a meeting where people are yelling. And if it's myself or somebody else that understands this process, we just sit there and we just keep connecting with our heart and we just keep emanating that thought process. And pretty soon it all quiets down. And pretty soon... (laughs) People are like, I'm not really sure why we're arguing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're all looking around like, what happened? And then I'm like, now we can continue. <laughs> but it's not, it's not fake and it's not out there. You know, for so often there's these ancient wisdoms that we couldn't prove. Mm-hmm. And, and now because there's some science behind it, I think it's much more powerful. Well, Debbie always says, you know, science is the will be the champion of spirituality, and and agreed. Yeah, and I and I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm thankful there's guys like you who want to talk about it from that angle to reach that audience because the idea of me doing it makes me exhausted. Sure. Um, but that's why you're born. That's why you're made Absolutely. the way you are, mm-hmm. so that you can you can speak to that audience mm-hmm. because. I, I think that um, I would just like to skip the um, the math and, um, right. and science part and, right. be and, go like, to. and go to the, the result that you're ultimately going to find anyway. But but I, I understand, that. That, and that is what we do. But but we don't. That's why we don't work in corporate organizations because right. they need it the way that you're delivering it. Yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think a yeah. lot of people. Regardless of your point, it would be fun if we just said, you want to get there faster? Do this. Yeah, it would be a lot of Like, fun. I don't know why we're wasting all this time, but if that's what you want. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we give them, like, the, the, like, um, the rail pass. Like, hey, look, if you got right. on this train, it'd be a lot faster. I agree with you. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I actually operate, is yeah, the rail personally, pass. Yeah. But yeah. I understand yeah. the need. Yeah for the steps in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're missing a large percentage of the population. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and otherwise, you're do- everybody has to actually do their own process. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it just can't be done for them. And we've all had to do our own, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, oof, is yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, we have. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. but what I want to talk about is whenever you sit in front of us, I am aware that part of your spiritual intelligence is that you understand the ripple mm-hmm. yeah you really do understand the ripple effect and how um movement and change is made that way and so can you talk to us a little bit about um as you launch this leadership and life online course mm-hmm. um which i think you said is coming later this year correct um, as you go, you're about to go and hike Mount Kilimanjaro Correct. Um, to raise awareness about footborne diseases. Talk to us about the ripple effect that you're hoping to achieve with some of your future work, your hike, everything. Yeah, thanks. Um, by default, anytime we take action, or you know what, anytime we don't take action, <laughs> we're creating an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes it's the, it's the lack of action that causes the greater impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be good or bad. Sometimes you shouldn't take action. Um, again, it's about how aware are you in that moment. But a long time ago, I, I figured out my purpose, which is to empower other people to stand in their brilliance. Like, that's my job on this earth, right? I am just happen to be using leadership as a tool or education as a 
tool mm -hmm. in which to do this. Mm -hmm. um, so by launching the class, my goal is that I will reach a greater audience, which then has an easily shareable platform mm -hmm. that can then invite and include and help others. Because for a lot of people, this kind of conversation, if I was having it with them in a workshop or if I was with them one-on-one, -on -one, they wouldn't say anything. It's, mm. too, it's too big for them at that moment. Mm -hmm. But if I can get on my computer and I can just kind of look at the questions and watch the videos and kind of sit in my own safe space, I'm willing to be honest. Mm -hmm. Where a lot of times, half the work in my workshop is just getting people to honesty. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with the lessons because the lessons aren't going to matter if you're not being authentic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so for a lot of people, it's easy to be more authentic when they have the safety mm -hmm. that technology has provided. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that's important. And it allows mm -hmm. me then to reach thousands and thousands as opposed to 50 or 100 in a workshop or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then on a bigger scale, hiking Mount Kilimanjaro... Um, so by taking and maximizing that experience, step one, by generating fundraising for the trip, I'm reaching out to individuals, some I know, some I don't know, very intentionally to explain heart-centric leadership and footborne disease and how easy it is that we can impact other people's lives. So that's a ripple effect. Just because by taking on this hike, I by default now need to raise funds, which means I need to raise awareness, which means I have to not be comfortable. It means I have to get out there and tell people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and I can't just tell the people I know that already will support me because it's not a big enough pool to create the funds I want to create and the change I want to create. So by default, it makes me out of, get me out of my comfort zone, which I love. Right? I hate it, but I love it. Right? It's like, I'm happy, hate, sad, hate. happy, sad. <laughs> right? And so then I'm going to document the hike and I'm going to, hopefully, um, my goal is to write a book on the experience. I'm definitely creating a workshop from the hike. That So part of the way that I've engaged certain organizations is I've said, if you donate X amount of dollars, I will then do a workshop for your company, you know, half day. That kind of stuff. So, Because I also believe that it shouldn't just be, let me click on the like button or let me click on the donate button and feel good about what I did. I think there should be reciprocity. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that I, I should then give back mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And again, that's creating a ripple effect. So mm -hmm. now I've got organizations that have already done this that don't even know me. So then by default, when I do the workshop, that's ripple effect. Yeah. Um, you know, so being in service by default creates ripples. And it doesn't matter if it's service to yourself mm -hmm. Or service to others, mm -hmm. you're creating a positive impact. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. I have a funny thought. I'm like, this is my this is my note card. Okay. What is Mike Watson on? What is Mike Watson <laughs> taking to make his brain work so well? <laughs> well. I'm, I'm writing ginkgo below. No, no, that's early. I like 90s. how you're crossing <laughs> stuff off. Yeah, nah, we don't no, do that anymore. No, that's early '90s. Uh, you know. Um, yeah. Wow. So, tell us a little bit. Um, I said to you, what's up with footborne disease? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to know mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, millions of, of people are impacted by footborne disease simply by the fact that they have to walk through, you know, soil or land or water that is polluted. 
And so constant exposure to this type of environment, if there's uh, certain worms that will, that will get into your skin, you know, crawled in or um, wounds that are open, but then don't get treated, um, you get footborne disease. And because there's no treatment for so many people, they die. So that's an unnecessary, simple solution is like, let's get people shoes, right? And it's, and it's, it not only impacts in terms of life and death and life expectancy, but in many countries, if a, if a child doesn't have shoes, they don't get to go to school. Like they're not even allowed into the institution. So now we're, we're saying, not only do we not care about your health, we don't care about your well-being. <laughs> and so you're not even invited in. So again, if I can get shoes on children, I'm going to increase their life expectancy, increase their health, and make them better educated. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. it's a ripple thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And but part of this, the part that I, uh, a part of it that I really love, and why I support Samaritan's Feet work in this and Manny's work, and to do this hike, is because not only do we just, it's not like we just drop ship shoes. You know what I mean? It's not like here's a crate, love you, mean it. Um, it's a very intentional being in service process in which we go to wherever, whatever community. It doesn't matter if it's in the United States or or wherever. I'll be in Tanzania. And we wash the feet of the people first. And, and, and we be in service to others to say, it's not about me being here giving you stuff, white savior complex. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's about mm-hmm. that I actually accept your brilliance and who you are. And you really don't need me to make you better. Mm-hmm. But let me be in service to you. Yeah, I'm here to honor you. Honor and in gratitude. Yeah. And learn mm-hmm. from. Yeah. Learn from is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So wash the feet, provide the shoes, and then do this you know, 44 mile hike <laughs> up 19,800 feet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. but that's all about me becoming very, very aware of who I am at that time. That's going to be one six day long meditative experience mm-hmm. Yes. in which I push my own boundaries and deal with my own stuff Yeah. Mm-hmm. because it's really easy. I find for people like myself and maybe you guys find this, but the work that I do is really easy for my mind to tell me how amazing I am. <laughs> And all this greatness that I'm doing, and I'm so, you know, evolved, and look how much I know. And it'll take a hike like that to be like, yeah, you're BS. Do you know what I mean? Like, here's the next level. Here's what you still haven't dealt with. Here's where you need to grow. And so if we don't challenge ourselves, Mm -hmm. if we never challenge ourselves, then then we shortchange our growth. And so this desire to do this hike, I've never hiked anything before. You know, so for me to take and say, I'll do that, I'll do this really large one. Seems audacious and somewhat foolish, but the reality is I'm totally good with it because it's my purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and purpose is what drives it, so I'm fine. Yeah, like it'll be good. Mm-hmm. That inner pilgrimage. Totally. Yeah, we all need to go on inner pilgrimages mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love <laughs> exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that the way to go on inner pilgrimage is not always to take the easy road. A lot Correct. of times, you need to take the road. When you talk about social activism in this way, what I hear is that you are willing to go to a place that's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so that you can engage with other human beings and be human with them. And by being human with them, you meet your divine self. Yes. Completely. Yeah, because um, there is no growth without connection. Yes. If I don't form relationships with myself, with another, with a higher being, somewhere on those steps, I'm missing growth. Yeah. And to your point, it's much deeper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Good job. I didn't need to say anything. You nailed it. <laughs> delicious is what this whole thing is. Your whole work, everything is Thank delicious. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
And, you know, I'm, I, there's like, I have at least a dozen other questions, you know, in the queue. Um, yeah, we're spilling stuff in here. Um, Debbie's making a mess. There's a lot of other questions that I have that I think, you know, because, because again, when we talk about spirituality, how much of our lives are spent working? Right. Has to be together. And we have to figure yes. out how all this fits together because it's... It's not even a one-dimensional puzzle. It's like a grid. No, it's absolutely. Like a, it's like a shape yeah. with its own life. You know? Yeah. It's a shape that always keeps changing. Yeah. And yeah. so, again, where people struggle is they want to control the shape. Yeah. It's like, stop. Stop. Can, yeah. No. Control the direction. Don't control the shape. There you go. That's good. That's <laughs> yeah. Good. It's a super organism that, yeah, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can sort of like feather this way. Exactly. Tap that way. Yeah. Yeah. That was my whole talk at Shift Charlotte last year. That right there. I didn't use the word feather, but it was that idea of, <laughs> of how do we stay in the fluid balance between doing and being. Yeah. And it's that. You have to be aware. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not aware, then I sit too far one way or the other. Mm-hmm. All right. Last last question. So if you've got any in the uh, queue, you need to rip them out because I want our listeners to understand from you... Um, what are some of the practices okay. that you think are useful on this heart-centric journey? Okay. So let me start with some that are that I find powerful and super easy to implement. So one of them is that if we will, when we first get up in the morning, or for some of us, the afternoon, whatever that is, (laughs) when you get out of bed, Mm -hmm. when your feet hit the floor, the very first thing is to think of five things you're grateful for. That just, just start your day with this understanding that there are things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And this next one might be because my dad was in the military or because whatever, but the next thing is to make your bed. (laughs) I know that doesn't sound like you're being heart centric, but let me tell you how, how this works. If, if, if I sit up and I am grateful for something, and then I make my bed. I've accomplished two amazing things before I've had breakfast, before I've taken a shower, before I've done anything. So I've already started my day in a very heart-centric way, which is to be in service and to be grateful. My day can't help but be aligned better than if I get up going, it's Monday and it's horrible. I hate rain. I'm tired, right? Mm-hmm. The default for so many people is that they start their day with, I am not enough. I didn't get enough sleep. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. It's like, ah, the opposite is true. You are more than enough, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to look at it. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that um, I do that is super simple, but I find like snaps me back to heart centric uh, coherence right away is if I'm in a restaurant or any place where there's a lot of people, then I will purposefully take time and just look at each single person and tell them I love them. Mm. Oh. And it's amazing how that just will quiet you down. You could be having the worst day, and it just, by default, that repetition, almost mantra-like, love you, love you, love you, and mean it, it just, everything realigns again for you, and you're calmer. And again, then your heart, because you are telling your heart, I'm safe and everything, and I'm, and I'm here, then it sends little chemical 
and and messages up to your brain that's like, we're good. Do I mean my heart's not beating fast? I'm not anxious. So then your brain is like, oh, awesome, we're okay. So it sends all these messages down to your body to be like, we're not tense. We're not anxious. It's okay. Your breathing is good. Like it's all related. Those are a couple little ones. Does that work? Those are small ones I do daily. Yeah, but you know, even though they're small, it's it's a commitment. It's a commitment. Oh, absolutely, to do them, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. I heard yesterday uh, something that I would um, offer in addition to what you said is before your head leaves the pillow, mm-hmm. say to yourself, "I have everything that I need." Mm-hmm. Even before you leave, your head yeah. leaves the pillow. Mm-hmm. So it's just gorgeous. I mean, you know, I mean, there's I, so much more they can. Oh my gosh! But yeah, yeah, those are just two quickies. Those are good starters. Yeah. So um, we would like to have another conversation with you one day. Oh, I would love it because there's just oh, I really too much would. to talk I would love about. That. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that an hour more than has gone by? No, <laughs> but I love it. We told you it would go by. Yeah, no, I love it. We didn't even get into my weird food stuff, so it's fine. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a lot more to talk about, so hopefully we can we can schedule another show because I think this is going to light people up. I think this is a big a big uh, thank you. Topic. Oh yeah, I have a big list of people in my personal sphere that okay. that I immediately want to share with. Thank you. Yeah. So we want people to know that they can find you at yes. mikewatson.today. Yep. Um, anything else they need to know about getting in touch with you, hanging out with you, connecting? That's the biggest one is that if they, all my social media is linked to that same thing, MikeWatson.today. So, um, and anywhere you go, then it also gives you the contact information on how to email me or whatever. And that's true for today's show or whatever. If somebody has questions, I'll gladly respond if you get them. Do you know what I mean? Just send it my way and whatever I need to do. Um, you know, what's interesting, and I know we're wrapping up, is that out of all all the ways I communicate, I almost get more response that is directly related to heart-centric leadership through LinkedIn than anything else. And know? it's wow. so a business platform, yeah. but it just proves that people want it. Yeah. yeah. And that people are starting to notice. Yeah. 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 So just FYI, um, people out there, don't don't just do Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. LinkedIn is a is a fabulous base in which you can communicate on a different level with different people. Love that. Yeah, I love that too. All right. We're going to tell everybody about you and we're going to... Uh... <laughs> this has been such a gift. Has I really, really appreciate good. it. Yeah. Good. good. We've just so enjoyed having you. It's been awesome. So we're going to look for you on your morning walks. Yes. And we're going to look for <laughs> your stories from Kilimanjaro. Yes. yes. Hopefully have you back before then, really. That's July. And, um, and I guess that's all everybody needs to know for the moment. Yeah. Is that true? Thanks for being here, Mike. Thank you both so much. Awesome. So episode 56, just want to do a quick plug. We're going to have Lori Ives Godwin, who does Shift Charlotte. Mm -hmm. She's coming on to talk about this fabulous project that we all love. (laughs) And thanks so much for listening to the podcast. You can visit us on Spiritual Charlotte Facebook page. You can visit Debbie and I at Lighthouse Spiritual Center, our Facebook page. And you can also go to either of the websites, uh, spiritualcharlotte.com or lighthousespiritualcenter.com. It all kind of comes out of the same soup. So we will uh, see you guys next Wednesday.